Now podcast. Welcome to Watching Movies at the Bar, a podcast about bar movies and movie bars. I'm Bethy Squires. With me as always is Thomas Skrabinski. Thomas, how are you? I'm doing great, Bethy. It's a Friday. Uh, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> and also joining us is Mohammed El-Shiki from the I'm Sorry podcast, and uh, he's also been on Conan. How is it going, Mohanad? Good, good, you know, just uh, excited to be here. Uh, very excited to talk about this uh, award-winning movie. Yeah, this is not our first Disney movie, but is this our first Pixar movie to discuss in this, the canon? This, this is our first Pixar movie, and it's formidable because for my money, it's the best one. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get yeah. into it. But before we get into that, Mohanad, we ask all of our guests whether they are someone who likes to watch a movie at a bar or whether this is a completely novel concept. We've had people who've been like, what are you talking about? Why would I do this to myself? Are you on that? Or do you like a hang where you watch a movie at a bar? You know what? I I, I lived in Portland for a while and there was this bar called White Owl, I, I believe, where they would actually like play play movies on like a on a, like a huge screen. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps playing the whole time, and no one really watches it, but it's there. And I loved going to that place. So that has been my experience with, uh, you know, bar movies. I cannot remember a single movie, there, but <laughs> it was there. Did it play the sound, or was it just like sort of moving wallpaper for the for the vibe? Yeah, there was no sound. It was. Great. I mean, you can like there are like captions and stuff in case you want to f- follow. But sometimes you even play music and it's just playing there on the wall. I do think to me that's the ideal way with captions and random music because you get like the occasional sort of dark side of the Oz synchronicity moment. Yeah, exactly. I liked it. I mean, that's the uh, I feel like that's the best way to watch movies, really. <laughs> Inaudibly. I couldn't agree more. Inaudibly. I think a question that we often ask is what is a specific title you remember but you said you don't remember anything that ever played. i, I don't remember bar. any of them yeah because none of them were like you know like they would never play like in they would never play like an oscar-winning movie on it imagine if they played parasite and they were like we're just gonna <laughs> ignore it yeah this movie won yeah four oscars fuck it and like a notably like good vibe movie like a really pleasant watch exactly great to have on in a, in a public space absolutely they yeah. should play the paul haggis crash on a loop uh, <laughs> try to rehabilitate its reputation amongst uh, alcohol drinkers <laughs> uh, i would love to see the other crash at a drive-in Oh, yeah. I I actually would like to see other crash at a bar. I think that conversation would gradually dissipate until everyone was just watching in in total silence. Mohadid, have you seen the uh, David Cronenberg crash? Mm -mm, I have not. It's a a movie about people who are sexually aroused by the extreme violence of a car crash. Um, Okay. And so... (laughs) <laughs> they put themselves in increasingly dangerous circumstances to crash cars and then get off. So anyway, yeah, I think that's a good bar movie. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you told me that's the whole concept between Fast and Furious, I'd be like, uh-huh, yeah, that seems like it. <laughs> yeah. It's not that dissimilar, you're right. There's a through line there. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure they fucking get, like, rock hard just, like, play, like you know, driving these cars around. That's what the Nas is for. Oh, I, it's I, not to make the car go faster. It's just arousal. I famously bust when uh, Ludacris is introduced in Too Fast. So um... <laughs> he does too. Every time he's introduced, he's just like, "Yeah, yeah we sure. have to retake this." I just can't fucking handle it. We are for sure going to talk about Ratatouille. This is the point of the podcast. Oh yeah, is coming up. But I really do like Ludacris as an actor. He's incredible on Law and Order SVU. He is. He has a very light comedic touch in the Fast movies. I appreciate him. He is. He was. He was really good in SVU. I, I feel like no. I feel like unless you watch Law and Order and you've watched it so many times, you forget that he was on it. But he mm-hmm. played a major role there. I liked it. I'm not a big SVU head. Tell me more. Shall I, or do you want to? I mean, we can do it together if you if there, <laughs> so if simultaneously. <laughs> so he plays like Ice T's nephew. Yeah, 
who is troubled and we later find out is a murderer. And he hides, like, some of his murder totems in his found object sculpture that he makes. He's also a very talented, like, metal artist, as well as being an iced tea family member and a baby killer, I think. And when you say metal artist, are you talking about, like, sculpture or, like, he plays in Bathory? Weirdly, both. No, he, he makes, like, metal sculptures and, like, with, like, little pieces of, like, found objects within the sculptures they're pretty good like as far as like shitty sculptures that are on tv i would definitely rate that above like the weird auto rec ones on bones or like (laughs) this is your niche bethy we're in your perfect niche right now (laughs) or like half of the art in velvet buzzsaw it's like it's in there it's in the middle velvet buzzsaw doesn't work at all but it's crazy that gilroy made nightcrawler before that which to me is like an almost perfect movie i had a good time with velvet buzzsaw i don't know where that fits in work or not work but it's also possible that i'm like the target demo as like a person who thinks that fine art is silly but also really likes fine art and and like horror I just wish there was art in the way that movie is photographed. I think Robert Elswit's one of the all-time great DPs, and somehow working within the Netflix toolkit, he makes that movie look like dog shit. But that that's another episode, <laughs> I think. Well, speaking of art and who gets to make it where, we're talking about Ratatouille. We're Hell talking yeah. about rats making art. Any rat can make art. Any rat can Not make every art. rat is a good artist, but every rat has the capacity to be a great artist. True. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, rats can either, you know, make food or teach you martial arts. That's, that's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. They're so talented. We're big Splinter fans around here, so I'm glad that we got there. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, what made you want to talk about this movie, Mohanan? So, I I've only watched it recently, so I didn't really even have to rewatch it because I've only watched it like a few months ago. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I've been like meaning to watch it for so long, and then one day I was just like, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to watch it. And the first thing that caught my attention, I was just like, wait, so the rat is not called Ratatouille, and I was so upset at that reveal. Because <laughs> uh, he just had a different name, and it was just it was like it's the name of a dish, like an actual dish, and that's just like just, just like worked out perfectly, which is I don't know I I mean I thought I thought it was great honestly uh, it was a great watch I have no idea how I've never watched it before <laughs> I feel like it took a long time for me to see it too which surprised me because when it came out I was such a Patton Oswalt head. I figured, like, somehow I didn't rush to the movie theaters, and it seems like one that I would have. But I don't think I saw it maybe until I was working at a video store, and I put it on as, like, my, my work watch. That is so funny. Because I've watched it, like, maybe two weeks or something before I was, like, I was I was performing with him in L.A., and I've, I've never met him before, and I watched this movie, and I was just like, this is literally the only work I associate you with. So... <laughs> I, I was like, it would be so funny if I only talked to him about that movie all night. Because <laughs> you're like, fucking, you fu- I know you did other stuff, but that rat thing, you fucking killed it. You fu- you, did you he was- have a rat vibe? I mean, I could have said that to him. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, he would have definitely regretted asking me to be on the show. Uh, but I wasn't the host that night. I was like, if I was the host, I would just literally just introduce him as, you know him from Ratatouille, and then just not say anything else. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, you've been on other shows. I haven't watched them. I've only seen one movie. I do think there are worse things to be associated with, you know? Yeah. I think being in Ratatouille, that's a, that's a badge of honor I would carry with me my whole life. That is true. I would say that before Ratatouille, I think the credit that he would tour with is King of Queens, so... I think oh, yeah. that's an upgrade. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I feel like he's been on a bunch of other stuff after. Yeah. But I think like not saying that he's been in Ratatouille, but like in being like being very specific as that he was the rat. And just, <laughs> you know, and be like, you know I'm from being the rat in Ratatouille. <laughs> he, he's a rat. 
please give it up for the rat and they just like never say his name and i'm just like i feel like that would be make him so mad <laughs> might be some fireworks backstage there's only one way to find out incredible yeah <laughs> i i also i met pat oswalt well after seeing ratatouille but it was a situation where i i think i did kind of make him mad because it was when we were shooting the drunk history that never came out and i was the mm. researcher on his story and he thought the story that i that i had researched was so stupid like he was like kind of mad that he had to talk about it well do you, do you remember what the story was um yeah we're probably gonna cut this but it was uh because i don't know if i'm still like under an nda or whatever but it was uh the competition between two different men to have the biggest ball of twine in the world <laughs> that sounds great like literally he should have loved that like why is he complaining he felt like he didn't have enough import he wanted something that his daughter could be proud of him like getting shit faced for <laughs> He sounds like a coward. (laughs) (laughs) We can keep all of this in the episode. We'll just beep coward and beep the topic. Yeah, Yeah, as someone who as someone who wants to work with him in the future, I think he's so fucking brave. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, One of the bravest men I've ever met in my life. But hey, that's your opinion. Any guy who's brave enough to crawl out of that hole looking for some bread and cheese—that's bravery. Then he finds out he's in Paris. Huge the whole time problem. he was under yeah. Paris. Thomas, you were saying that you think this is the best Pixar movie. Yeah, I do. I I, I also think this is just a stone cold masterpiece. Um, this this came out when I was I think in high school, and I think at that mm-hmm. point I had a cynical relationship to Pixar and Disney. I took myself very seriously, and so I watched this movie, and I don't think that my heart was open to it, and so I remember liking it when it came out, but it was something that I think I really discovered revisiting years later. Um, And Mm. I just think it's incredibly constructed. I think the story is really sweet, but I think that Brad Bird is a better director of animation than almost anyone who's being given the money to make movies like this. I just think he's tremendous. Yeah, I do think Brad Bird is a king among men. He's a gorgeous, gorgeous girl. I would, I will say it is not my favorite Pixar movie. My favorite Pixar movie is WALL-E. Also a great fucking movie and came yeah. out in the same few years. Yeah, it was in that, like, the the, the real, like, prestige run of Pixar, of, like, WALL-E, Up, and Ratatouille. What year was Ratatouille? Because I, I feel like I can't remember. Is it 07? Oh, seven? Yeah, I think so. 07. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels so fucking old. But 2007 also been like, what, 20 years now? I have no idea. 15 years is old. That sounds old to me. Yeah. It old. It old. Yeah, so, it is old. So, Thomas, what you're saying is that you don't take yourself seriously anymore? In certain venues, for sure. I actually am... am I'm trying to get back to that. I think that there is value in taking oneself seriously. So I'm on a journey. <laughs> to find the right balance of how seriously to take oneself. Yeah, but not there yet. I think that Ratatouille is a perfectly executed movie with like two weird philosophical or like rhetorical flaws that, that make it yeah that like kind of get in the way of the enjoyment for me. I think that everything is done perfectly, but there's some stuff sort of at the core of it that I'm like, why? What? Huh? Hmm. That get in the way. And I am not going to be one of those Brad Bird is an objectivist person. I'm not that guy. I don't Brad think Bird's response in. is that that's a lazy criticism. Sure. He, yes. And I, absolutely respect his opinion of critics i think that (laughs) (laughs) it's a cool guy to be (laughs) is brad bird's take on critics um wait are you saying you don't like the like big emotional coda of ratatouille um i am saying that i love i cry every time in the actual like moment the like eating the ratatouille scene but I think that the mm. straw man critic that he writes and like the review that that straw man critic writes is so mm, obvious in its inner psychological motivation by the, the person making the document that it it's embarrassing to me. That part is embarrassing to me. Hmm. 
I don't think hmm. I agree with that, but I'm interested to hear what Mohanad thinks. I, I I don't quite get. So you think? So we're talking about the the article he wrote after he learned that it was a rat, right? Yeah. So, and as as I remember, it was like a glowing like critique, but it was just like never said that he was a rat, and it's just like anyone can be a chef. That was the idea. I mean, yeah, I get. I mean, I get what you're saying. It's 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 weird just to be because didn't he like lose his job as well after that? Yeah, he came out. It was a rat. But that's like the health inspector's fault. No, for me, it's the yeah. part he's like. We critics love to hate things, and we think that we're the tastemakers, and we think that what we do is so important, but actually, the person who's actually creating even the worst type of art is better than us and the stuff we put out. Like, that, just that part. I don't think that's what "Mm." the movie is saying. I don't think... Those are, like, I'm almost quoting it verbatim. I'm going to find this. Well, yeah, no... that is that is i remember that now yeah yeah that was that was that was weird because it was just like it's just like you ate a dish so good you were like my job does not matter nothing i do actually means anything and uh i was just like bro all it took is just fucking one dish have you eaten anything recently that was good but he was also a weird guy so Let's say that. I mean, look at him. Like he, he was like, I, I don't eat food unless I really like it or some shit. Oh yeah, and if then... he doesn't love it, he doesn't swallow, which I thought was a very horny thing to say. <laughs> yeah, no, he was a weird guy. Like I don't think he was doing well to begin with. So uh, I'm not surprised by his article. He was just like, it was the first time he ate anything that he liked. And also, like the other thing is just like you just like your mom's cooking, and that's it. So just say it. that's the whole idea, I guess. Uh, I'm I'm just happy for the rat that got a a good article. I mean, I'm jealous. I was like, I wish someone would write something about like that about me, and I'm not even a rat. I think we all are just little rats hoping for a good write up in the grand scheme of things. True. Literally, every time I make something, yeah, that's what I aspire to. Sorry, I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but I think I just, I just don't think I, I, I think it's that simple like to me what i think is sweet about all of that is like mm-hmm. ego is reverting to his childhood yeah and then is talking about how you know anyone from like a, a jumping off point has like the opportunity to like do something thoughtful to do something meaningful like i think it's it's more about like finding common ground in like the the like wide-eyed wonderment of like being a child and sort of like approaching the world with like excitement like I, I i think it's i think it's more about like critics and artists finding common ground i don't really think it's saying that there's zero value in criticism that is above um like even the shittiest art can i read the what he says yeah yeah sure In many ways, the work of a critic is easy. We risk very little, yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and and their selves to our judgment. We thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to write and to read, but the bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating it so. Right, and and the relationship is between the specific piece of criticism as it relates to a specific average to junk piece of art. I don't think it's any criticism versus any piece of art. I just like I don't I don't actually think it's stupid is the only argument that I'm trying to make. I feel like I feel like the the reason it's there because if the movie got any critique, they're gonna be like, mm-hmm, we've addressed that in the movie. We knew it. Maybe watch the movie and see. Like we we knew this was gonna happen, and we do not care. Uh, maybe some more people need to be like this man. I don't like it. I think someone's feeling got into the way of uh, when they when they wrote those lines. That's just what I think. I think that the emotional journey that you're talking about, Thomas, is there for sure, and is is beautiful and sweet, and like how you know. It's a literal, like, kids movie villain, so he has to be, like, mustache-twirlingly evil as, like, the critic. That's his point in the movie. But it does feel a little, yeah, like, personally motivated in that way. Yeah, we might just have two teams here, and that's great. We're, we're, we're dueling. I just, I just think it's funny that they made the critic the villain. There's two villains. There's the critic, and then there's... Um, Skinner. Ian Holm acting as, like, shrieking his fucking ass off. He's so good in that. So good. 
It's, I mean, it's, it's funny because, like, logically, when you look at it, it's just like, and I think someone like t- tweeted about it or something that was just like, it's just a bunch of people who just did not want rat to make their food. Yeah, and I was just like, yeah. I mean, it is true. Logically, yeah, that's that was the whole issue. Which actually brings into my second, like, thing that feels weird about the movie to me mm-hmm. that keeps it from being masterpiece level to me is, like, there has to be a reason that bad people don't want a rat to cook their food and good people are fine with it. In In the real world, we exterminate rats because they carry diseases, like they poop and pee in our food and they have fleas that give us bubonic plague mm-hmm. it, it has less to do with them like it's, it's mostly about them being diseased and that's something that you can't excuse remy from even if he washes his hands he still can't go to a little rat toilet somewhere to do his business so the movie has to come up with a reason why rats most rats shouldn't be cooking <laughs> And they decide it's because rats steal food. <laughs> this movie is so anti-stealing and so pro-private property in a way that, like, this I know is my personal issue. This I know is just, like, my, like, it's I'm too fucking uh, bread too pilled or something that it gets in the way. But it's like, rats don't have a concept of property. It's not a racial character flaw that they steal. That's absurd. But it comes up all the time because, again, it's a kid's movie and you want to have, like, a moral. Yeah. But it just gets – it just feels so weird to me. What if, what if you argue that the, like, trajectory of the movie is that, like, rats live outside of, like, capitalistic systems of exchange and property and eventually the human characters in the movie are forced to consider that their way of being is equally valid? What if the movie is actually uh, deconstructing notions of, of of property ownership and? But it's exchange? like it feels like a real model for if if we're I'm trying to not go galaxy brained I'm trying with all of my heart to not do this thing that I do all the time. But it does like the stealing thing makes it feel so like assimilationist in politics because every time Remy steals he is punished and it's like you have to be a creator you can't be a stealer you have to create and like those two ideas of like disrespecting private ownership is the opposite of creating art. And I don't feel like like in the movie, those two things are like on a spectrum. And that's just like, that's not my vibe, but I'm not holding that against the movie per se. It's just getting in the way of my personal enjoyment, yeah. which is why I like Wally more. Wally's great. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I just, it's just like one of those things where you, I just do not know how they perceived rats in that movie. Like before, like they, met this because like i feel like once they saw him cooking they were just absolutely fine so i guess in a sense they're not diseased which is you know so but like you said they just steal stuff and which i feel like makes ratatouille a cop movie that's what i'm realizing now (laughs) yeah it's made made by a cop that's why they don't even like critique you know they're just like we're perfect wait so you guys don't like cops or atlas shrugged I'm so sorry, Thomas. I'm just really more of a fountainhead girl. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> we we are fountainheads around here. Which is to say fans of Darren Aronofsky's The Fountain. <laughs> uh, I have been, like, honestly kind of stressed about this because I knew that my qualms were going <laughs> to be <laughs> a point of contention for you, Thomas. No, I think it's cool. Uh, I I also think that rat shit smells bad. And Bethy, that what you're talking about is a good opportunity to plug this doc that Theo Anthony made called Rat Film, which I would recommend to any listeners, which deals with um, rats in America, but in a really deeply interesting way. Uh, but we can get back to Ratatouille. That sounds so cool. It rules. But should we talk about stuff we like? Mohanad, are there things in Ratatouille that you like, love and find to be really striking? We should do the plot. We should do a little rundown. I think yeah. it'd be weird. I think Mohanad is the last person to have seen this movie for the first time. So if anybody hasn't seen Ratatouille, it'd be weird at this point now that, now that <laughs> Mohanad's gotten it out of the way. Yeah, I feel like everyone has seen it by now. I am the last person I made sure. <laughs> you closed the door on your yeah, way out. exactly. You just don't like rats as much as the rest of us. I mean, I like that one rat because, you know, he can cook and he <laughs> stops stealing, which, you know... A big no-no for me. 
who wants to to do a brief summary of the film? I can or Mahana, do you want to? Yeah, I mean, okay, brief summary. This 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 rat is is special. He's very special cuz he can actually taste like he's very has like a very distinct like uh, you know, way of tasting and smelling not, not unlike the other rats, he can like even like smell poison. I uh, if I can remember correctly. And they were living his and like his whole family, his whole tribe living in uh, above this old lady's house. And then you know he keeps sneaking into into the kitchen, and then they get caught because you know he's sneaking into the kitchen because he wants to pursue his passion, which is you know cooking. Then this old lady fi- finds out that they were like doing the thing, like so. The whole rat tribe is is exposed now, and they have to run away. And it's because of uh, his name is Remy, right? That's the name of the yep. rat. It's not Ratatouille. Do not be tricked like <laughs> I am. I was so upset. And then yeah, that's I, I believe that's when he finds out that he lives in Paris because apparently he had no idea where he was. He thought he you know discovered France, which I'm happy for him. You know, I, I wish I was the person who discovered France. Anyway, a lot happens, but then, you, you know, eventually he finds himself in that uh, in that kitchen, like that the, what is it called? Gusteau's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he's, he's also obsessed with that chef, the French chef, and he finds himself in his one of his restaurants where, you know... I'm, I feel like I'm taking too long doing this because I'm trying to remember. No, you're crushing uh, it. Man. I am. This is great. I feel like yeah, I am. I'm definitely crushing it. In in. You can tag me in if you want. Yes, yes, Bethy, you can take it from here. So he he winds up at Gusto's restaurant. Gusto is this like famous TV chef that Remy saw on TV and like taught himself to read recipe books because of Gusto's influence on him. Mm-hmm. Recently deceased. Recently, his five-star restaurant has lost a star, even though Michelin only has three stars. But we're not getting into it. It's fine. <laughs> it's a Yelp uh, restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Noted Yelp critic Anton Ego. This is a rat's world. The rules are different. <laughs> <laughs> so he is found by new garbage boy de Gusto's Linguini. And Linguini notices uh, Remy because Remy fixes this shitty soup that Linguini <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> and and the soup is good. And Linguini sees this rat cook and he's like, damn, this rat can cook. So rather than murder him as his boss instructed him to, he lets him like live as his pet. And eventually they decide to team up and Remy sort of puppet controls Linguini from using like by pulling on his hair. He lives under his chef's took and uh, sort of robot controls, remote controls Linguini until he becomes like a star chef. Now it turns out, twisty twisty, Linguini is the lost heir to the Gusto fortune. So he My man. inherits the the restaurant. He gets rid of his enemy, former sous chef, sort of a king in Hamlet type character. I can't remember his name right now. Claudius. So Skinner. Claudius mm-hmm. character. Mm. Skinner. And gets the girl, Colette, who is also one of the chefs there who like teaches Linguini um, how to cook and also how to love. Yeah. Teaches both. Because the, the rat couldn't teach him that. The rat could not teach him how to do that. <laughs> and eventually there's conflict. You know, Remy starts wanting credit for his work. Ego goes to the restaurant on the day that the entire staff walks out because they find out that a rat has been cooking and they're like, this is gross and weird. I super have to leave. I can't handle this just emotionally. (laughs) But Remy's rat tribe stops stealing, takes baths and uh, is able to prepare a beautiful dish of ratatouille for Ego that uh, completely makes him amend his harsh critiquing ways. And now rat and human live in harmony. I just, amazing. I mean, also, I truly relate to that man, though, for, like, uh, losing one star and just dying. I was just like, yeah. (laughs) Uh I can see that. One negative reply to any of my tweets, and I'm just like, this is is it for me. I don't want to be around anymore. Yeah. 
Dude, I'm the same. One person is mean to me online for a second and in a way that's pretty innocuous, and I'm down for 48 hours. Exactly. So This is not an invitation, listeners. Don't roast me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> absolutely. Don't go too far. Yeah. yeah, I'm just asking everyone to be nice to me. Uh, but it's also it's so funny to me because I, I still do not understand the mechanics of that rat controlling that boy. Like, I love like, it though. Like you can make him like move whatever you want to move, but apparently you cannot speak the same language. We I feel like we've established that you cannot they cannot hear one another uh, in in that way. So I'm not sure like how he knows what to put in the stuff. And well, Re- Remy understands, I guess French because okay, they're in yeah. France, mm-hmm. but to us it's English. So he understands human languages, but people can't understand his little rat squeaks because they're too quiet. He doesn't have the mouth flaps to make our human words. Okay, that is true. Yeah. So, okay. So there's, but still do not understand how he does that. And yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, it would be, it would be fun if turns out like if the way I've been doing stand up this whole time, I had a rat in a hat or something (laughs) and it's just been, you know, doing material for me. That would be fucking awesome. Since we're talking about things that we like, I really love both Colette and Linguini, the Jean Garofalo character, and the boy who who be rat-headed. <laughs> They're exactly my type for both genders. Like, in a woman, I like someone crazy and mean with a knife. Like, that's it. <laughs> you found it. And then for Linguini, that's a big-nosed beta. That's also my thing. So <laughs> this movie is good. I'm not saying it's not good because it's got the perfect couple, the the prettiest couple. If we're talking about our types in Ratatouille, mine's got to be the beefy rat who, uh, after being power washed in the kitchen, tenderizes meat by punching it. <laughs> that's that's my guy. That is so funny. Mahana, did you find anyone to sexually imprint on in the rat movie? <laughs> Not really, not in in that way. I will say who I like. I do like the rat himself. He's just, you know, I I like I like someone who follows their dreams, you know. And he's just like nothing is gonna stop me. And he made it, even though you know he had to do it through Linguini, which is what a name, what a perfect name <laughs> for a character, Linguini. Fucking love it. But yeah, I I I don't know. I just love I just love everything about that rat. I think I think he's like especially like that his dad was just like no you're a fucking rat <laughs> you don't do stuff i don't know how to explain it to you more humans want to kill you <laughs> yeah and he's like no i still like want to do my stuff and it's just like bros just fucking i mean he's right you're a rat but it's also like come on like he's a rat and like now you say he has no talents but you're also asking him to look for poison and shit it was like, pick one. Like, he's special. You know that. So give him some credit. Are you saying that Remy's dad is gaslighting him? He is. Yeah. He's like, he's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're special in that, you know, you can smell poison, but that's it. Like, do not, you know, do not follow your dreams. Don't do anything. And it's just like, I, I, I did not, I, I'd say I don't like the dad. That's one person I did not like. The, the rat dad and just like, so fucked up. I'm, I'm sure Remy needs therapy, like like a, a rat therapist or something. Thomas, what's a highlight for you? Well, I just mentioned the rat tenderizing the meat, but I do think the shot of the power washer opening and the like fluffed rats rushing out, and then you're cutting around the kitchen as they're all cooking frantically to help get things ready for Ego, that's just such... It's it's almost like a Busby Berkeley musical, the way the camera is moving around and the way they're all doing their little tasks. Like, that to me is just stunning filmmaking, but I like the whole movie. I just think the relationship between Remy and Linguini is really sweet, and yeah, it's it's just, it's perfectly tuned to me. We were saying that, like, you know, Brad Bird is one of the best, like, physical comedy animators ever. Like, that's mm-hmm. why the first, like, four, I think four maybe five seasons of The Simpsons are so good is because Brad Bird was animating mm. like the half that David Silverman wasn't, yeah. essentially. You, you, and you know his his background is as a Disney animator. Like well before Iron Giant, he was an animator on Fox and the Hound, I believe The Black Cauldron. And, and he, he got also fired apprenticed... on The Black Cauldron. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, you know, movie's not good. Um, but he like, uh, he apprenticed under like one of Walt Disney's original board. One of like, the nine he, old men. He, yeah, which is 
bananas. Like Brad Bird, I feel like, I don't know, like has these secret keys. There's something about the Disney magic that he understands that's not, you know, all of the racist stuff, although maybe he has Randian tendencies. But he's, yeah, I think he's kind of like an old school, classically trained filmmaker. Mm. Yeah, he worked at Disney. He was like a child wunderkind. He sent in like a an animation he did when he was in his teens to to Disney. And one of the original nine old men was like, I'm going to take this guy under my wing. I'm going to teach him some more drawing. And uh, he eventually went to work there and became, I think, a boarder. But he was he was fired during I don't know if he was fired like when Katzenberg and Eisner came in or right before that. But in in that time, basically for saying that Disney could do better, like he was critiquing <laughs> the laziness of the animation and they were like, get out. And so he fucked off to The Simpsons. This really dovetails with our Emperor's New Groove Sweatbox yeah. episode, if you want to listen to those two in tandem. It's just so funny to me that it's just like seeing Disney should do better and like Mickey Mouse was just like, <laughs> fuck you. Get the fuck get out. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he sounds when he's not talking to the public it's very gross. <laughs> absolutely it's that's... like michael jackson he's got like a high-pitched voice that he well uses yeah when cameras are on. that's why he's doing the exactly that's who, why he was going to the opposite extreme just to try to hide it well we know mickey mm-hmm. he's a fucking monster <laughs> i'm thinking of the opening of who framed roger rabbit where the baby like the minute the camera stop rolling starts smoking a cigar and just talks like uh a man who's been smoking for 60 years <laughs> Brad Bird does movement so well, does specifically, like, I think he's really good. David's, like, of the, my Simpsons special interest is, like, swirling in, but David Silverman does such good, like, idling animation, like, little Mm. things. Like, if you see, like, Homer's weird little fingers he does when he's excited about a food, that's a Silverman, John. But then Brad Bird is so, he's always been very cinematic. He always is thinking about big movements. He's like the the sort of operatic movement mm. guy. And that's why he made my favorite Mission Impossible. Ghost Protocol so fucking good. Which which one is that? Uh, um, it's four. 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 It's the first one with Simon Pegg in it. It's the, that's the one where they're climbing on the wall mm. in Dubai, right? Yes, and he ends up like running down it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's uh, that's another one to add to watching it too late. Every Brad Bird movie except for Tomorrowland is is extremely okay. worth your time. Okay, I'll I'll check all of them. I, I truly have so much time. <laughs> Tom Cruise saw Incredibles and was like, "I can't wait for you to direct live action." Like he like set up like a dinner to be like, "I love what you do. You're going to be so good at live action." And then eventually he got to do a Mission Impossible, I think, I assume, because Tom was like, this is the guy. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why I was like, once I found out that Tom Cruise is like a super fan of Brad Bird and vice versa, I was like, ooh, this is Thomas sweet spot territory. (laughs) Yeah. Except Tom Cruise behind the scenes, effectively a villain. I like to think Brad Bird is a sweetie, but uh, tough to say. Have you seen the special features on The Incredibles? (laughs) Oh no, is he a villain? They sing songs about how mean he is. Oh, Brad. He's, just, he's, he's very demanding. It's the mm, same, yeah. like, uh, something that really, like, unpacks the, the Brad Bird ethos to me is in this movie, he says, uh, Remy says, I'm not a rat, I'm a chef. That's Brad Bird all over. It's like, I am not an animal. I am not a creature. I am not my species. I am my job. <laughs> that's Brad Bird. Hmm. And that's, you know, that's one of the ways to be in the world. That is true. Yeah, definitely. Great, great results. I hate it when someone says I'm a person or I'm, I'm like, I am a stand-up comedian. And that's it. <laughs> I'm nothing else. I am not a man. I am a stand-up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> one of, yeah. That's so funny. That's just the, 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 the rat said that. I'm just like, okay, buddy, chill. <laughs> you work for a four-star restaurant. Like, now you're a five-star. <laughs> yeah. You're a fucking that's loser. That's not five stars, is it? <laughs> Yeah, mm. yeah. You know, they have better rats at the five-star restaurant. Maybe go learn from them. <laughs> yeah, the beefy rat was working at a five-star restaurant, and he heard Remy was in trouble, so he came over to punch meat. Oh, man. The beef tenderizing rat. Everyone fucking loved that meat in the five-star restaurant. Yeah, they're just like, it's just there's just something about it. 
that we can't describe. I've never had meat so meticulously tender. Yeah. It's like somebody really little but really strong punched this meat. <laughs> Jonathan Lipnicki? <laughs> Was this meat Lipnicki'd? <laughs> Is this Spencer Breslin style beef? Um, another thing this movie has really going for it is its voice cast and Mm. something that, you know, Pixar is known for, but as like a classic animation stan, I'm kind of of two minds about like big name people being in these roles, but there aren't, there's nobody's like phoning it in like Shark Tale style in this movie. (laughs) Shark Tale is such a funny reference point. Talk about a movie that is just lost. Yeah, does it exist? We'll never know. <laughs> no one's revisiting Shark Tale. It's a movie that lives in the memory of the people who saw it in, what, fucking 2003? Shark Tale is the movie that people, like, animation heads bring up to talk about, like, the nadir of celebrity voices because all of the fish <laughs> look like the people doing the voice. Oh, fuck, like, I forgot There's a little Scorsese that. fish with, with fish eyebrows <laughs> and a fish mole. And the Angelina Jolie fish has big lips. Mohanad, sorry, are you a big Shark Tale head? Are we insulting you? <laughs> no, I I haven't watched it, but from what you describe it, it just feels like it was the kind of like the Cats movie, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, that yeah. way, you know, like big names, and it's just like what what's happening here? Gotta be honest, I've never seen. They it. They had buttholes in the original cut of Shark Tale, but they were digitally <laughs> removed for a family audience. But this has one of the last roles for Peter O'Toole. You know, I'm I have my issues with the character, but the performance is incredible as ego. Yeah, yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Peter O'Toole is just uh, so funny to remember that he's a guy, and also like a, a different guy than Laurence Olivier. I have them confused in my head completely. But <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about like this movie came out at sort of the peak of. Chefs are the new rock star culture. Maybe even the beginning of the chefs are the new rock star culture. You know, No Reservations was like three seasons in, but we didn't have Mind of a Chef yet. So we're like somewhere in the middle of the chef And we were still warming up to Bradley Cooper's Burnt. And Bradley Cooper's Kitchen Confidential. Did you know that he played Anthony Bourdain for one season on Fox? No. Yeah. Bethy, your encyclopedic knowledge of things critical to this show (laughs) but do you guys ever partake of fine dining do you do you like a fancy restaurant or do you prefer something more like cheaper accessible whatever yeah i'm not i'm not really into fine dining at all uh but i was just doing some googling because i was like when did the hell's kitchen come out and it was 2005 I don't know why I remember that. That's the only re- like the, co- the the one cooking show I've watched back then. Because they were just like, this guy's so mean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's how kitchens run. That is how kitchens run. Have you guys either of you ever worked in kitchens before? No, I have not. I have I have washed dishes, which involved some prep. But mm-hmm. uh, like once it opened and there were customers, I was racking dishes and putting them into a power washer. Uh, and there were no rats. I wish there had been. Would have made my shifts more interesting. But no, it was just me being 22 and 16-year-olds yelling at me, telling me I was washing dishes wrong. Oh, that's fun. I was an expo and a food runner at a country club for a while. And then mm. I was a, a, a line cook. Uh, at a ramen place here in Los Angeles and like a couple other I've I've done a couple different kitchen jobs and it is it is hell's kitcheny like people are yelling the whole time it's big yell energy oh yeah dirty jokes yelling literally i feel like weird. hell's kitchen is the one thing that made me never want to work in a in a kitchen like the only time i had anything with food i worked at a food cart so i was the you know the only rat chef well, cuz you were in portland and uh, you have to or they kick you out it is true yeah yeah, and also, yeah, it was Portland, so, like, nothing bad is happening, you know? You can just be like, I'll make you your food when I make you. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. You're just going to passive-aggressively <laughs> stand there, and that's it. But, yeah, no, it it would have been funny if, 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 if Ratatouille was more like Hell's Kitchen. There was, like, a the, the rat was so fucking mean. <laughs> <laughs> they, they sort of... 
sort of allude to real kitchen life with the Colette character in her speech about like, I'm the only woman here because this system is designed to make women fail out of it. And and now I'm stuck taking care of you. And if you fuck up, then I'll there'll be no women working here and it'll be your fault. You dumb little boy. <laughs> and this, someone saw that and was just like, you know who can do this? A fucking rat. Yeah. <laughs> same speech, same everything. Yeah. You're ruining this for other rats now. No other rat can do it because you motherfuckers are not doing your job. That's what I like to imagine. Didn't they also <laughs> at the end got their own restaurant? Isn't that like they own like a bistro or something and it was like run by rats? I'm not sure whether the other rats work there or whether it's like there's a rat restaurant on top of the human yeah. restaurant. <laughs> Someone also pointed out that how long do rats even live? Is it like a year and a half? <laughs> yeah, I don't know the, the max lifespan of a rat. Yeah, I think it's a year and a half. So it just feels like this whole movie just falls apart. You know, just like your main guy is going to die very soon. This whole restaurant <laughs> is doomed. If you want to have your really dark Empire Strikes Back style sequel... It's not that hard. Remy dies days after the movie ends. Uh, and Linguini's left to pick up the pieces. Speaking of rat biology getting in the way of narrative... Uh, We're always talking about this. <laughs> and speaking of speaking of the big rat who punches, the main way you can tell the difference for gender of rats is their size. So bigger oh. rat males are much bigger than rat females, which has made certain parts of the internet assume that Remy is trans. And that it leads to like an interesting <laughs> sort of if you if you have like a trans head cannon for Remy, that means that Remy's dad is cool with his trans son, but hates that he's a chef. Like that's the bridge too far. I mean, I can see it. <laughs> I can see him like yeah. It's certainly a window into rat culture and its uh, its value set. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're like be whatever you want except a fucking chef for humans. <laughs> Yeah. As long as you steal, it's fine. Exactly. Exactly. I like yeah. the idea that rats are philosophically post-gender, but eating is purely utilitarian. <laughs> or I, th- I think maybe it's just like maybe the idea wasn't that he he hated him becoming a chef. It was more like you want a fucking job, you fucking loser. Like we're literally just living, <laughs> and you want a nine to five. Is that what you want to do? Yeah, Remy's dad is very active on the R slash anti work <laughs> subreddit. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, we're Remy, not meant to work, you know? And he's like, no, human culture. I'm just like, no, you're just like being ruined right now. This is false consciousness, Remy. I am. I actually am upset I am now. He literally wanted a nine to five, just like, well, like, or five to 10, I guess. But just working at like a human job. Do they even pay the rat? Like, what does he get paid in? Or just does it for passion? Because Linguini makes money. Yeah. This is a good question because if rats can't steal, then they have to work to be able to purchase food with money. Yeah. Or is the, or are they being paid in food? Is that is it just sort of like a work for food situation? I think it's that. I think the system is designed against them. It's literally they have they're they're fucked. You know. Yeah. The second movie is definitely Remy and Colette forming a union right before Remy dies. <laughs> I hope my man's burying his ass in a big plate of spaghetti before that happens. <laughs> you earned yes. it, buddy. That's his deathbed. Is like a lasagna <laughs> with like one. They sheep. find his hind legs and tail sticking out. Sorry, it's too dark. I think honestly, I think what's happening that you don't show in the movie, since now we know that they do not live for long, is that now they have all of these fucking rats. So they obviously keep breeding rats. You just like you know. There are new rats every day, and there's a cooking school for rats because they're just like, someone needs to keep doing the work. So he'll teach you everything he knows, and then in a year and a half, you have to pass that knowledge to the next generation because this fucking Linguini guy will not learn how to cook, will not do it. A fucking rat can, and he's just like, to this point, does not know how to even add salt to the food, which is insane to me. But he's a great waiter. Like he's so he can't like hold a knife without fucking up so bad, but he can carry like five (laughs) trays while roller skating. But like the animation on Linguini is so good. Like his body shape is so funny and they just they use him incredibly well throughout the movie. They do. Yeah. 
some big ratatouille heads have apparently, uh, hopefully Googled enough times, can a rat live five years? Uh, and the answer, sadly, is uh, no. The average lifespan of a rat is two to three years. Okay. And in rare cases, rats may live four to five. So max, they're 10 years, five years. Okay, but if they're if they have a job, do you think maybe they live longer because they have a sense of purpose that keeps them going? Or do they go shorter because they're stressed? Exactly. I think that's what happens. Yeah, I feel like if they I feel like I'm I'm starting to think if humans had no jobs, we'd probably live to be 200. That's my theory. <laughs> I think you might be right. Yeah, just fucking killing us, but Someone needs to test their own rats. Like, why are they living longer? Like, give a rat a job. Like, a rat gets nine to five, and then other rats just get to do whatever the fuck they want and see who lives longer. And then just apply that to humans. I think that's just uh, the way to do it. That's going to be my next experiment now. If you give a rat a job. Yeah. I mean, mean, God knows where I can find rats here in New York City, but I will definitely find one. Yeah. yeah, here's hoping you can find one. Yeah, absolutely. Ab- we'll open the door right now. Probably will be one there. It's actually in my super. <laughs> <laughs> the second this moose does something with this muffin, we're going to get this fucking rat a job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you think? What have we missed? I feel like maybe that was the, the perfect stopping point was if you give a rat a job. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, I mean, I think we covered it all, honestly. I, I, all I'm asking for now from the Ratatouille uh, creators is we need a second movie. I want to know how's Ratatouille, like, how's Remy doing? Like, do they have more restaurants yeah. now? Like, does he have family? What's, what's happening? How's Linguini? Like, you know, did he learn how to cook anything? Like, maybe even a Ratatouille, like the, you know, the thing that got him everything. Who knows? I just want to know more, honestly, especially about the rat. I will say that this movie does have a surprising amount of like supplemental material out there. Mm. You know, there's the TikTok musical oh, that yeah. people made during the pandemic. So what's that? Yeah, you were telling Wait, me about I, that. Our office manager was telling me about this. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Oh, I, I think it's still on YouTube. But um, basically, somebody made a song that was like Ratatouille, the rat of my dreams. Like somebody sang a song about Remy. <laughs> Uh, and then other people came up with other songs. And this one guy on TikTok looks just fucking like Linguini. It is uncanny. He looks he looks like a CGI boy. And and so, th- like, they made a whole musical that is just the plot of Ratatouille. And Disney, I think because it was the pandemic, Disney was cool about it and let yeah. it happen. And it was live streamed as a benefit for the Actors Fund. Mm. And in, it starred... Uh, Titus Burgess, I think, played Remy. And then the kid who looked like Linguini was Linguini. I think the dad was... uh, Oh, my God. Who's landed anyway guy who's good at singing? Wayne Brady. Jesus, that took forever. I'm so sorry. Um, I was going to guess Bart Simpson. (laughs) And I feel like John Stamos was in it, but I could be making that up. But it was like... (laughs) It was like Broadway people and Disney-ish people doing this benefit and it raised like a bunch of money for the Actors Fund for people who are out of work because of the pandemic. Mm. There's also an incredible mashup of Kylo Ren actor named Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Adam Driver interacting with Remy. So they do oh, this, I've seen that. the good soup scene. Con will splice this in. And then they they layer over the the making the ratatouille. They make nachos. So Adam Driver is sitting where Ego is, and he says, "I just had sex. I'm gonna eat fucking nachos." I just had sex. I'm about to eat nachos. It's the greatest moment of my life. It's beautiful. You know, if there was like a live action version of you know ratatouille, I can see Adam Driver being Linguini. I could see him being ego. He could do either. Or yeah. horsed. He could be horsed. Yeah, there's so many yeah, potentials for, for that guy. I mean he you know, he he can do a French character now since, you know, we know he does Italian very well. 
So good. Yeah, I was just like, this guy is Italian for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not from northern Indiana. Mm-mm, absolutely not. And then, so there's the the musical. There's the the mashup. There's the they sell ratatouille at Disney California Adventure now. Mm. I've had the rat, the official ratatouille ratatouille. <laughs> It's not like the nice like layered version. It's more just like normal ass ratatouille, which is just like a stewed eggplant, tomato, and zucchini dish. But it's really good. the The Disneyland ratatouille oh, wow. is good. It's nineteen dollars, but if it's, good. it's not made by rats, they can keep it. <laughs> I don't care how good it is. I don't care if it's gonna remind me of my mom or something, even though my mom did not cook it. But I want to see the fucking rats making it. Yeah, no shade to my mom, but I did. I do not wistfully remember much or perhaps any of her cooking. Yeah, I mean, sorry, mom. You put raisins in your curry. What am I supposed to do? You just you you're just waiting for the perfect rat to make that dish, so you can be like, oh, now I, oh wow, now I really, I get it. it was really in the back of my my brain. Now it just really brought it back in. Wow. Oh, I got a caller. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, I am rat. no longer a critic now. Yeah, wow. My uh my uh, my parents are rats. <laughs> are they good cooks? Uh, yes. What is your favorite dish that your mom cooks, Thomas? My mom made like a chicken and egg noodle stew that she would like serve over a bed of potatoes. That was pretty good. That's like a very hearty Midwestern thing. But yeah, that, that's uh, that's got to be the one. If a rat made me that meal, I would also probably feel something. Wow. I mean, you didn't you just say that your parents were rats? I'm not. I'm confused now. Are you? Oh yeah. No. Sorry. You, I, what's happening? Here? Sorry. I'm getting my wires crossed. My parents are rats. Uh, they fed me pellets. I am a rat. I'm trying to remember. My mom makes a dish that is actually very close to ratatouille, and I can't remember the name of it right now, and it's driving me insane. Lasagna? No, it's like the Turkish version of ratatouille. It's like oh. tomatoes and eggplant stew. Oh. I they f- think beef. Fuck, I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about. I just right? cannot I remember the name insane. of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I know exactly. I feel like I've had it. I just can't remember what it's called. Yeah. Potlajon? I mean, Maybe. that would make sense because, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the, that's the word for, uh, fuck, what is it called? Now I forgot how it's said in English. For eggplant? Yeah, eggplant. Yeah, it's it's uh, at least I know it in Arabic. Maybe it's in Turkish too. It's it's patlajan, so pr- that's probably it. If it's anything, I think that my mom would make something sort of like her version of ratatouille and call it patlajan, and that's the way that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Also, for for some reason, I don't know why. Like literally, until like we began doing recording this, and you mentioned Paris, I completely forgot that it happened in Paris because in my brain it happened in in somewhere like rome or something i don't know why i just it's because you're hearing the word linguini so often exactly i was like these guys are italians all of them and then i was like oh no it's actually paris and they were french i don't know why the paris at night backgrounds are very pretty in this movie like every time they look out a window and there's like the eiffel tower and it's all twinkly that shit's tight yeah, it is. It is. And, and that's probably it. Because I can't remember, like, I can't think of anything in Italy that will just, you know, shine at night like that. That would look nice, you know. They're gonna not going to show, I don't know. Can't remember anything that Italians have. Sorry. <laughs> just, like, completely erased everything they have. I cannot remember. I don't know what Rome has. Colosseum? Yeah. yeah For our huge Italian listener base, please let us know what we're missing. Yeah. What shines at night? I know the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Beautiful. Sorry. <laughs> okay, Mahadid, where can people find you online? <laughs> uh, they, can, they can find me on Twitter at Mahadid El Shaky. And if you find me, please be very nice to me because I am. Be nice bit, or he'll die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you say anything, I'll delete my tweets. I, you don't even have to say anything for me to delete them. But yeah, just be nice. If you're a listener of the pod and you're mean to Mohanad online you are no fan of ours exactly you're thank a fake you, fan thank you so much thomas where can you be found online uh also on twitter you can follow me at uh handsome underscore pal uh and you can find the show at movie bar pod bethy are you online and does the show have an instagram the show has an instagram and that's movie bar underscore pod 
I have a Twitter that recently got unhacked. Thank God. Doing oh, yeah. great. I did a I did a dumb. Uh, I blame Mercury in retrograde, but I'm back now, and it's at BethyBSQU, and on Instagram, at Bethy Squires. And as always, Thomas, I think this maybe should be our real sign-off forever now. Be nice to me, or I'll die. <laughs> Oh, please. I think I speak for all of us when I say, please be nice to me or I'll die. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Watching Movies at the Bar is edited by Colin Jenkins with show art by Lindsay Tharrell. And that theme you hear at the top, that's Quentin Mulligan.